I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your hosts, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online. My name is Matt Vanderlis, and I am the host of Matt's Basement Workshop Podcast. And I'm Mark Spagnolo, host of the Wood Whisperer Video Podcast. And we're both the hosts of Wood Talk Online. You know, Wood Talk Online is a brand new podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. And if you have any questions for Mark and myself, you know, you always feel free to email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Okay, and I also just wanted to mention to everybody, in case they want to send us some stuff, uh, today is my birthday, and tomorrow is Mr. Matt's birthday. That's right. Happy birthday, Mark. I would normally sing, but I think I got a couple of emails from people last time that that little singing thing I tried, uh, I think Sanjaya is getting higher results than I am on American <laughs> Idol, so we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Dude, can you believe, are you watching that show? Can you no. believe that that kid is actually still winning and doing well? Uh, no, I, I, I'm not watching it, but I, I always wake up every morning. As soon as I turn on the news, it's like one of the first thing that pops up. So I feel like I am, I am watching it. I guess to some degree. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. It's awesome. It just, is, it's just funny. The whole thing is great. Anyway, I'm thinking about going out for American Idol next year. Uh, I'll be right there supporting uh, you. <laughs> yeah, apparently I have a shot now. Um, so uh, what we were hoping to do with uh, with today's episode is jump right into emails and do sort of a rapid fire email. Q&A type session, and uh, we got a whole bunch here printed out, so we're just going to fire right through them. Does that sound sound good to you, Matt? That sounds great to me because I have the same old boring stuff going on in my shop, so let's get right to this so that people don't fall asleep early on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people might listen to this on their commute in the morning, and eh, you know, you want to keep them awake, so. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. It'll only be an insurance liability. Do you listen to Wood Talk online? Okay, we're going to have to raise your insurance rates. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's not do that. Uh, okay, well, our first question we have from Les, and uh, he says, great idea, guys. I guess he's talking about the show. I hope so. Uh, cool. I hope so. Uh, question, how much overspray is there from an HVLP sprayer that's high-volume, low-pressure sprayer? Do I absolutely need a spray booth with ventilation? Can I just set up a cardboard backboard? Uh, read, I read where most of the spray particles dry before landing on the floor. Thanks, Les. Okay, um, 
I spray quite frequently in my shop and I do not have a traditional, you know, spray booth, which unfortunately, you know, means that I, I make a mess quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you really do want to have some way of capturing, you know, the, the overspray. I have sprayed without doing that. And I've paid the price. If you have any, you know, any flat surfaces, any cast iron surfaces that are nearby, yeah, the the especially for spraying lacquer, the particles will partially dry before they hit the ground, but it doesn't really stop them from sticking to the surface. So you you know, after a couple minutes of spraying, run your hand over your over these surfaces, and you'll feel they're they're textured now, and you're going to have to wipe them down with lacquer thinner. So um, I would definitely recommend doing something to get the ventilation to blow the fumes outside. But of course, now, pardon me. Of course, you have some concerns here. Uh, depending on what you're spraying. If it's uh, a flammable material, if it's an oil-based or a uh, lacquer-based material, um, you don't want to just put like a normal fan in a piece of cardboard and call that your spray booth because it's not an explosion-proof fan. So you will need some sort of an explosion-proof fan to pull those fumes safely and get that overspray safely out of the shop. Um, You know, if you're using water-based materials, you probably can get away with doing something like, you know, one of those big square box fans uh, put a filter, you know, some sort of a filter over top of it, and then that will pull most of the fumes and overspray out of the shop. The uh, filter will catch most of the crap, uh, but but you don't have anything that's going to cause an explosion if it gets into the inner workings of that fan. Um, I, I think if you're doing really small projects and you just want to spray over a big piece of cardboard, you could probably get away with that. Uh, but if you're talking, you know, full-size projects, you've got to come up with some more effective way of getting those uh, fumes and the, and the overspray out of the shop. You do not want that stuff clouding up your shop. It's just a mess. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, when you were talking about the uh, the the box fan, that's pretty much my exhaust system in my in my house right now for the uh, the shop. So yeah, I can right. imagine using that anywhere else. And the explosion proof. I mean, maybe if you timed it for around the Fourth of July, you could be the neighborhood <laughs> hit. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it would be quite a bang. Um, you know, and I've never heard of anyone having an explosion due to something like that. But you don't really want to be the first. Uh, so you know, take the precaution. Yeah, sorry about that. Better safe than sorry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I actually thought about doing that before, but where I live, I just don't know that it would be appropriate to have you know a full-on spray booth in the shop and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. But for now, uh, you know, the other thing, other option, I would hope. I, I don't know his particular setup, but I would imagine he has you know some sort of option to spray outside. And mm-hmm. if you can do that and just completely you know uh, circumvent the problem, that's what I would recommend doing. That sounds good. Yeah, definitely. I, I have nothing else to really add to this because I've never really tried. I, I should say I tried it once. Remember those, have you ever seen those little critter sprayer things? It's like a little uh, mason a jar. Yeah, uh-huh. a little mason jar attached. My my family bought me one for my birthday, and I was like, this is great. It's going to speed up my time. And <laughs> Does it work? Uh, no, but I got some great you know coating <laughs> on the inside of the garage. <laughs> oh, man. Well, now I know what I'm going to get you for your birthday, a empty bottle of Windex. You could just throw some finish in there and, and use that. Oh, great. That sounds good. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> a little, spray, a little pump, pump action spray bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're so considerate. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Nothing but the best. Okay. So let's move on to the next email. Because like I said, I, I don't really have much to add to that. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Our next one. Ooh, it's a two-question, uh, two one-in-one question. Um, nice. So this guy, this person is lucky. Let's see, Brandon. That's who sent it to us. So it starts out, hey, guys, I loved your first combo cast. Who wouldn't? And the second one's even better. Um, nicely done. 
keep them coming. Well, I have two questions, and one of them is more directed to Matt. So I'm going to do that one first, and it's question one. Matt, obviously your workshop is in your basement. I was wondering if you have done any soundproofing in your shop to keep it quiet in the rest of the house. I have a five-month-old baby girl, and as much as I would like to expose her to the shop as early as possible, I don't think she would appreciate me making noise down there while she is sleeping. Since I am not a professional woodworker, my time has been really limited in the shop since she was born because of the noise machines make. So let's go ahead and I'll take a, a stab here at question one, and then we'll move on to question two, which I think is more towards you, Mark. I can throw something in here too, but I want to hear your okay. take on it. Uh, so the first one here with the, the soundproofing your workshop, you know, that's a really great, great question. And it's kind of funny because our old house, before we moved here, the original basement shop that I had, um, the first thing I would suggest is try to figure out where it is that you can place the shop so that it's furthest away from obviously the area that you're concerned about the noise traveling to. And unfortunately, in my case, my first workshop was dead center below everybody's ba uh, bedrooms. So there wasn't a lot of uh, woodworking in the middle of the night. There wasn't, you know, a chance to do things once the kids actually went to bed, mainly because, well, it was the saw was literally underneath their bed. And I, no matter how much I tried to convince my wife that a saw is a sweet lullaby, there was no getting around it. <laughs> Although it's funny because one of my neighbors, well, my neighbor uh, at the time, he uh, always talked about how when he was growing up, him and his sister were exposed to his father's contractor's tools, and that was table saws and everything. And he worked till like 1, 2 in the morning, and for them it was a lullaby. But anyways, nobody would go for it. <laughs> so that's my first first suggestion is to try to locate the, the your shop where you can. Now, obviously, we're pretty limited by that. So if that doesn't work, another technique you could maybe do is – and this is where you're going to have to spend a little money on it, but you kind of get back what you put into it. And that's to try and put in like some soundproofing insulation in the uh, the floor joists uh, in the basement. To if you basically just get some uh, some pink insulation, you know. I mean, I, whenever I run to the home center, there's always you know the Pink Panther with the big shh, you know, and everything else. And you could easily kind of put that in there, and that will help and help to dampen the sound. Now you could even go so far as to actually. Uh, apply like um, either drywall if you want to finish it off or even acoustic uh, panels, anything that's going to be a barrier between where you are and where the noise is going to travel to, it's a huge bonus. Now, with my new shop here, um, actually, I'm lucky because the shop is located in a part of the basement that is pretty pretty much all um, mason brick. And so, therefore, it's really, really dampened, and it's you know obviously on the other side of the house. So that helps out, too. Again, it feeds into that idea that there's more between me and where the sound is going to travel through. So it helps to dampen it quite a bit before it gets someplace. Now, a couple other things I was thinking about to help out with this, and I remember seeing these elsewhere, is... Um, you can get like those little rubber pads that actually they can be even big square rubber pads that you could maybe even put underneath the uh, feet of the of the tools themselves. And what this will do is kind of raise them up a little bit so that the vibration, because really that's the main problem, is the vibrations that are coming off the machine are they're going to be loud, they're going to be banging off the metal, what have you. So if you can dampen those a little bit, that will actually help to decrease. Obviously, it's not going to you know, decrease it so much that it's going to be a whisper, but it, it can really kind of help out. Um, the only other thing I could think of, and I don't think it's really practical, is maybe if you could somehow line your machines with insulation, <laughs> maybe that would work also. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really think that's very practical or or safe, maybe even a fire sense also. Um, 
maybe one more option would simply be to run around with headsets and maybe put headphones on everybody's ears so that it will dampen the noise. Um, my family won't go for that no matter how much I try, but you know, it, it's an idea. Um, so I think that that's, that's pretty much it. Right. Do you have anything that you could suggest about, you know, soundproofing? I mean, really it's, it, I mean, your, your area probably is a little bit more isolated, so... Yeah, yeah, I don't have to worry about it so much, but um, it's, you know, it's like soundproofing anything else. There's no, you know, magic bullet for it. You need to either insulate or provide air spaces, or I, I guess the most important thing is changing of textures between areas so that you go from an airspace to one type of texture to another type of texture to the drywall texture, and the more changes in texture you have, the more... Uh, wavelengths and frequencies are going to get knocked out before it gets to the ears of the person on the other side. Um, so just like soundproofing anything else, there's really no you know, super easy way of doing it, uh, especially in a workshop. But the one advantage you have is a lot of times basements are not finished or garages are not finished. Your opportunity exists to put some insulation in that wall and then drywall it, and the shop will be better for it. It's going to look cleaner and look nicer, uh, but you'll get you'll get some of that soundproofing at the same time. Absolutely. Maybe we could start sending. Um, was that Brandon here? Maybe we could start sending him all of our egg cartons. Don't they use those like in the in some of the uh, sound shops? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I think they, I think the old school shops they may have, but yeah. uh, everything they use now kind of looks like egg crates, but it's a heck of a lot more expensive than egg crates. Oh darn it! <laughs> okay, and uh, and usually they're flame retardant too, as opposed to egg crates, which probably would light up like a you know Fourth of July party. So oh yeah, definitely. Okay, well we'll <laughs> stay away from that then, especially with the five month old. Okay, yeah, well, definitely. Um, let's move on to Brandon's second question, which is, uh, do either of you use any computer-aided drawing programs for making plans? I would love to design a project on the computer and print out professional-looking diagrams to assist me with the build. I'm hoping to find something free or inexpensive. I thought since both of you seem to be on the cutting edge of technology with podcasting and maintaining your sites that you might have a good suggestion in this area. Um, really, uh, I don't know, what you, well, Mark, you use SketchUp, don't you? I do. Okay, how's that going? Is I've, I've kind of played with that a little bit, but my brain not wrap around it right away. <laughs> it's uh, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's it's based on you know, if if you, anyone has any CAD experience, it's a lot more uh, point and shoot than CAD. It's it you know, it, it's you know, consequently might be a little bit less powerful than CAD. But for woodworkers, you don't really need a whole lot. So um, SketchUp is perfect. It's a free program, and you could download it at SketchUp. Google.com, and they have a paid version, a pro version, and a, uh, a free version. And the free version has, I've yet to see its limitation as far as woodworking is concerned. Uh, I know the program is capable of overlaying buildings onto Google Earth, so you can actually see a building on a map location, you know, an image of a map location from satellite imagery. So it's kind of, you know, it's a powerful program, but uh, as far as woodworkers are concerned, the free version should be more than enough uh, power. Uh, Definitely a good program for this type of thing. You know, it's just sort of drag and drop your lines, um, you know, snap your line to a grid. It's pretty straightforward. And I'd recommend just, you know, download the program, open it up, do some of the tutorials so you can learn the basic controls. And uh, I also covered some very, very basic usage of SketchUp in, uh, I believe it was episode seven, Arts and Crafts Table. Maybe I don't know what the number was, but it was the Arts and Crafts Table episode of The Wood Whisperer. Uh, in that one, I actually covered how to sort of, I, I, I wanted to um, reverse engineer a table and I had a picture and I knew sort of the 
I didn't know the full dimensions. I knew what the customer wanted and I knew they wanted it to look like that picture. So I reverse engineered it using uh, SketchUp to draw everything out to make sure it looked good. So um, that's definitely the, the, the best way to go that I know of as far as free, simple programs. Okay. Yeah, um, I do have an AutoCAD system that I use. My my wife does a little bit of uh, engineering for her day job, and uh, she managed to get me one. And But I know that one's a little bit more expensive. I got lucky. It was kind of a, uh, hey, this disc is laying around. Um, we don't use this one, but oh, I better not say anything else. Maybe there's a trademark problem. Anyways, yeah, so. don't know that you want to <laughs> yeah. advertise that. And my um, address is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I also wanted to mention that, there are some really good tutorials out there on SketchUp, and I know a lot of people, um, including FineWoodworking.com, they're actually coming up with a SketchUp tutorial section of the website. So, uh, you know, the woodworking community really is embracing the program as its kind of go-to uh, program for this stuff. Uh, but there is a instructional DVD out there that I had a chance to take a look at, and it actually is really, really good. Um, you want to go to uh, GoToSchool.com, and that's G O dash the number two dash school.com. Uh, and they have a decent DVD. I think they have a, a level one and level two. I don't know if level two is out yet, but level one is probably all you're going to need for basic woodworking stuff, but really, really good instructions. And I believe they even have some free podcasts online that you could find right there on their website. So uh-huh. uh, that would be my recommendation. Okay. I have one more thing to add with the, with the AutoCAD. Um, Actually, I came across this free software a while ago, and it, it, they at first was saying that it was like a trial version, but it's totally free, and it doesn't look like there's any strings. Basically, it's like one of those, we'll give you the carrot in the hopes that you'll come in and buy the entire garden kind of a thing, you know, that, that type of thing. And it's uh, Libra.com, A-L-I-B-R-E.com. And it's supposedly a free uh, 3D software system that you can download and try out, and there's not supposed to be any strings attached to it. Not supposed to be. I don't know for sure. I haven't had a chance to try it out, but I recommended it, and a couple of people uh, that I did recommend it to seem to have enjoyed it. It seems to work for them. So I think that's another option, again, the freebie kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, there are some free resources, so no reason to really pay for this stuff if you can find it for free. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm going to have to check out some more of that SketchUp. I know that I see a lot of people, even like over at Lumberjacks, I think I've mentioned it a few times. And you know, after watching you on that the one video, I'm like, dude, I got to try that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely a good program. And the fact that Google, I mean, it used to be if you look at the Pro version, that used to be the price. I mean, they used to charge hundreds of dollars for that. Um, and you know, now the fact that Google bought it out, um, and it, they're offering the free version, it's, it's incredible that that's actually free. Sweet. All right. Alrighty. Free is, free is nice, especially on birthdays. <laughs> exactly. If it's, if it's free, it's for me. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, let's see here. Um, what, what are you, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm sorry. Water. Did I smack my lips? <laughs> no, I just I heard you drinking, and I'm, I'm drinking coffee because it's still uh, it's 10:30 here, so that's still coffee time for me. I was just curious. That's all. Okay. Yeah, it was water this time. <laughs> I had thought about a pop, but the last time I drank a pop, I had to keep turning way away from the microphone and just letting out these huge belches. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. Have anybody heard that in the in the last episode? You win a free uh, pop if you go get it from your own refrigerator. <laughs> nice. There you go. So, all right. Well, all let's right. move on to the next email. I have another one here. Um. 
Let's see. Uh, great show. Keep it up, fellas. I have a question on routing softwood edges. I recently routed an edge molding on a false top of a pine bookshelf, but ended up with a lot of deeply torn grain. I was using a cove bit that was very sharp, so was surprised at the poor quality of the cut. Do you have any tips on how to get a good finish on softwood edge moldings? Also, the piece was to be painted, and therefore I tried to... I tried filling the torn grain with wood filler with variable results due to the shaped edge. Is there another filler you would recommend for filling torn grain prior to painting? All the best, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Mikey uh, likes it. <laughs> or is this the Mikey from the uh, Orange County? That'd be kind of cool. Um, <laughs> anyways, okay, so when it comes to routing softwood edges, uh, I'm wondering if, Mikey, if maybe your problem was that you tried to maybe make too deep of a cut all at once. Now, unfortunately, uh, this is true with just about any wood, but especially with a, a softwood, like a pine. I know I've had this problem. Um, I was like, really just wanted to kind of get through the project, and so I definitely set the bit for a much deeper cut than I should have. Uh, my advice is really when it comes to just about any type of, uh, of cut with a, with a router bit, if you're, if you're concerned about tear out, um, maybe with the wood if you're not familiar with it or anything else, the, the way that it's going to cut, make shallower passes. You, you might have to spend a little extra time on the project, but the little extra time that you spend now is going to be a, you know, less time that you're going to have to be cussing and swearing, trying to sand out, and then come back in maybe with filler to try and fix this up. It, you said that it was a, uh, a sharp uh, uh, bit, so I have a feeling that maybe that's what the, the issue was, is you're just going way too deep, way too fast. Uh, shallow cuts, uh, multiple shallow cuts are really, the. I've had great results with them, um, and I, I'm sure that's probably maybe what the main problem was. Uh, maybe also could be a situation, I'm just going to kind of speculate here, uh, of wood grain. You know, I, I had mentioned once before about the, uh, the use of a climbing cut when uh, routing a, uh, a, uh, an edge. Maybe that could be it, because I definitely have had horrible experience where I have gone against the uh, the grain in the wrong you know well in the wrong direction obviously it's going against the grain but um, that that's happened to me and I've been ripping my hair out because it always seems to be on the most important piece that this happens to um, and then as for any type of wood grain filler um, I don't know I've, I've used uh, several different ones uh, basically I've kind of gone with like the minwax wood filler when it comes to big gouges and stuff I, I don't know it's when it comes to painting you could use like even like I don't want to say like Bondo, but like uh, any type of like spackle, uh, especially for painting. Obviously, if you're going to be staining this, uh, spackle is not going to really give you the wood texture or look that you're going to want with the stain. But if you're going to be painting um, like a vinyl spackle, maybe even it'll it'll move with the wood. What do you think about that, Mark? I concur. Okay, sweet. No, actually, actually, um, I think you covered pretty much as far as routing technique. What what I would do, I would take multiple shallow passes and. Perhaps on the very last lightest pass, I might climb cut just to make sure I get the smoothest, uh, you know, the smoothest action with the bit. Okay. Um, but of, but of course, the grain direction is really the determining factor there. If you're if you're working in the direction of the grain, then you don't really need to climb cut. No reason to take that little bit of extra risk. Um, but whatever you do, if you are making a deep cut, please don't climb cut and try and do that same deep cut right off, you know, right off the bat because that router is going to want to run right out of your hands if you do that so <laughs> yeah. that could be bad so um he uh, let's see as far as fillers i could say a little bit extra about that i i use as a standard filler my favorite filler is fama wood f-a-m-o-w-o-o-d okay okay it's like a natural wood you know contains actual wood and it's a uh, lacquer 
it's at least smells like it's like a lacquer based product. You could sort of dilute it and soften it down with some acetone or lacquer thinner. Uh, that stuff works great. And you did mention Bondo. And I actually think that that is a great wood filler, but if you buy, I think I mentioned this in one of my podcasts, if you buy Minwax wood filler, it's in a little can, you open it up, uh, a lot of times woodworkers may not necessarily have ever had experience with the actual Bondo material. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is the the stuff that Minwax sells for about two or three times as much, and they call it wood filler, is actually Bondo. It's the same material. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, so you could you could go, you know, what is it, like two aisles over and buy a big can of Bondo and get three times as much for the same price. Uh, you know, they're all activated by the same components, and they, they look the same, they smell the same. So there may be... You know, geez, a small difference here or there, but uh, not enough to justify spending two or three times as much. So I would absolutely recommend getting yourself a a small container of Bondo uh, and using that as a wood filler because it's uh, really strong. They use it on cars. It's got to be strong enough for wood. So uh, it dries pretty quickly, dries really hard, and it's great, especially if you are going to paint the surface. Sweet. All right. Yeah, that's that's definitely – I think I tried to – what was it? It was – it was like a vinyl spackle or something, and I didn't get the results I wanted from it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, I did paint over it, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny thinking about Bondo because I was just sitting next to a car the other day that was like the whole entire side was all Bondo, and they hadn't painted <laughs> it yet. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and especially especially if you're doing a profiled edge that's going to see a little bit of uh, abuse, you know, you want something that's going to really hold up, um, and Bondo is a great way. To, right. to do that definitely a good good recommendation there yeah I, um, you know, there's that that one also that um i don't know if you've ever seen it the uh the wood epoxy or whatever it is where it's like the it looks like a tootsie roll basically yeah you, you melt it it like it's in a tube right uh, have you ever used that uh, i've used I, it once in a while for just kind of like i actually at the old house i had to kind of redo a profile and i didn't do a very good job with it but it's set up really well and i've never actually used it in a project project no, I've seen the pictures in the catalogs, and it reminds me of um, – I've seen them before, too. It's, there's this candy that I used to eat as a kid called Cow's Tails. Yes. <laughs> you, you, okay, so it looks like one of those cow tail candies. So I don't know. Anything that looks that, that tasty, I like to keep that out of the shop because I may <laughs> accidentally take a bite. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, that, that looks like a cow tail. I want to eat that thing. I'm going to go get some milk and sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually – yeah, hey, there's a, a quick safety tip. Um, I don't know about, I'm sure, you know, most, most of us bring some kind of a beverage at some point or another into the shop. Um, I don't know if anyone else has ever had the close call. If you happen to be finishing and you have a coffee nearby and you've got like an open can of stain, I don't know what it takes in my brain to, to have this like mismatch of neurons occur, <laughs> but I actually came about an inch from my lips with a can of uh, shellac once. Oh, gee. Oh, yeah, and, and I just, I was so into what I was doing, and I literally almost put it in my mouth, and I was like, well, oh, crap. Okay, there, there's there's a lesson to be learned from this, <laughs> you know, so uh, I definitely... Yeah, speaking of eating and things in the shop, maybe it's not such a good idea to eat and drink in the shop. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a story from a – it's kind of wood really, woodworking related here. I had a neighbor one one time at the old house, and uh, um, this guy always like every evening went out there with like a six-pack, and you could watch him try to do stuff like cut his, his grass. Or There's one time he uh, <laughs> broke out the belt sander, and I, I brought the wife and the kids out. We sat there on, the, on the, uh, the front porch just staring at this guy, and he set his beard down like right on the bench, and then he started sanding the top, and then he the way that the beer was uh, uh, oriented next to where the direction that the sand was coming off, uh, the, the, uh, the debris was coming off the sander, filled the beer can. So he 
takes a swig and you saw him spit it out and he swears and throws the can across the <laughs> pops another one sets it right back down in the same spot and proceeds to start sanding again and it's just like that that reminds me exactly of that it's like one of those when are you gonna learn buddy <laughs> yeah seriously what a tool anyway oh man i miss that wow. guy <laughs> yeah well you know you can go back and visit him yeah i'll be that guy someday so <laughs> <laughs> exactly the guy the drunk guy in the shop yeah by the way don't don't drink in the shop i mean not just like regular drinks but alcohol drinks um I guess you can if you want. It depends on how uh, adventurous you are, but yeah, definitely, probably, probably not a good idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, enough, enough public service announcements. Uh, let's see. We can move okay. on to the next one. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Carl with a C. Uh, oh, he hi, says, Carl. "Hi guys, I enjoyed your first show very much. Here is my question: I'm building a Vienna regulator style wall clock." I have no idea what that is. Do you? And no idea what? No, no, no. Regulator. I, mean, I know. I know what a, a wall clock is. I just don't know what a Vienna regulator style is. No. When I think of regulators, I think of that one movie from the '90s or where, maybe it was the '80s with uh, all the young guys. Regulators ride. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. But yeah. anyway, I'll look it up um, sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I am at. I am at the point where I'm ready to build the front door. The door dimensions are 12 by 37 with a glass center, obviously. Um, I didn't say that. He said that. Okay. <laughs> I'm using Wangi, and the piece of wood that I have is badly bowed or warped, not twisted, though. Wangi is very expensive, so I would like to straighten it if possible. Any suggestions for straightening a board that is 10 inches wide, 1 inch thick, and 5 feet long? Thanks in advance. Okay. Um. Well, here's what I have to say about that. I completely understand uh, Carl's need and want to straighten this out because of how expensive that stuff is. Uh, the problem is I sort of had this belief that once wood wants to go a certain way, it's very tricky and risky to convince it that it wants to go another way. So it, it can be done. There are things that you can do to try and, uh, to straighten it out. And then once you get it locked into some confirmation in the piece of furniture, for the most part, it might be okay. As long as you have things that are resisting its, its inclination to move in one direction or another. Uh, but if you're looking to make, let's say, a tabletop out of it, that may not be the best board to make your tabletop out of, uh, even if you do get it to go straight, because it may not always stay that way. So uh, things that you could do, um, there's sort of the old trick of if you have a, a lawn, I have rocks, I don't have a lawn, but <laughs> if you do have a lawn uh, and you go and actually place the board uh, on the lawn in the morning and leave it out in the sun for a day or two, the idea is the moisture and the dew that's in the lawn uh, will will seep up into the wood. And you want to place it so it looks like a frown, um, basically. So you want to put the frown onto the... Does that make sense yeah. to describe it that way? Okay, so yep. you want you want the cup upward, you know, so you want it to be bowed up. But you put it so it looks like a frown onto the grass and the moisture will absorb into that side and expand those fibers on that side, causing it to flatten back out. Um, and you kind of have to walk the balance of when do I actually take it off of the grass? Because eventually it may wind up going the other way. Uh, <laughs> so you want to be careful about that. Um, so that's sort of the old, you know, quick and dirty way of doing it. But you can also use a spray bottle and sort of accomplish the same thing. Wet the one side, uh, you know, and, and the side that you wet is going to start to curve. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In that direction as the wood fibers expand and the other side starts to dry. Um, like I said, I, I'm not a big fan of doing that because it's, you know, the, I kind of believe that the wood wants to go the way that it wants to go. And you may be able to temporarily change that, uh, but it's sometimes difficult to, to keep it in, in that sort of orientation. Uh, and the only, see, anytime I have a board like that, the only real solution that I feel comfortable doing is actually cutting it into small enough pieces that I could then joint those pieces and flatten them, uh, and, and sort of split the, that, that curvature, split it over a bunch of different boards where it becomes negligible right. on each smaller piece. Uh, but other than that, you know, those, those are the methods that I would recommend. Oh, and the other thing is obviously if you spray one side, you could always, uh, after you get it straight you can sticker and stack it and put some weight on top so that it actually keeps it in a flat conformation and give it some time to then acclimate to the environment. And hopefully when it's all said and done, the board will be flat and stay flat long enough for you to get it into your project. Sweet. I love that idea about the lawn. That's, that's, you know, I, I do have a lawn, but I know in the summertime, I'd probably be like having the sprinkler on my neighbors would be like, God, that guy's at it again. What the hell is he doing? <laughs> it's bad enough. He lets those kids run around at all hours of the day and out there yeah. sanding on that bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the na- the neighbors can be trouble sometimes if you're a woodworker. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I've always wondered like what, what would have happened if you had like one of those giant steam boxes? Could you, could you steam the hell out of that thing and then uh, put it back into position again? <laughs> well, I mean, the- the bottom line is once you induce, you know, a lot of moisture into a piece of wood, it becomes flexible. And that's the whole, that's, you know, the whole concept behind steam bending. Uh, and, and the, well, or sort of like, you know, curling your hair with heat, you sort of get it into a pliable mode. But once you remove that, that source of heat, you have to have it set in a position that you want it to be in so that it stays that way. So if you, you know, introduce moisture into the board, you've got to make sure as it dries and as it comes to equilibrium, you want to make sure it stays flat. So that's where the, you know, stickering and stacking comes in handy and putting weights on it to sort of resist its natural uh, inclination to bend. Sweet. Yeah, definitely. And I I totally agree with the maybe, you know, uh, cutting it if that actually came down to it and trying to put it together that way. Again, unfortunately, you kind of get those extra steps, but it takes care of it if necessary. So cool. Yeah, I mean, a a five foot board, you can cut it into one foot increments and you probably won't have much, you know, negative effect. But he does say in there that it's uh, badly bowed. So uh, again, I would definitely discourage expecting that to be completely flat even if it looks flat when you first get it you know you do this process if it looks flat i just wouldn't you know bet any money on it that it's going to stay that way right yeah i've actually tried the technique of uh if you hear anything in the background my cat's decided to join us um nice uh he uh, uh um Oh, he didn't do this. But I did this. I've tried this before. Like the the whole on you know, hoping and praying that if I put a lot of weight in the center, maybe I can get it to yeah. unbow out. But yeah, as soon as I take it off, then boom, right back up in place again. So. Yeah, exactly. See, you got to be careful with it. But there are things you can do. But I mean, I could see why you right. would want to on a piece of wingy. But uh, you know, is it 
is it better to just buy a new board or to try and incorporate this into a project and then have that project be screwed up after you've put all that work into it? So you got kind of have to look at it that way. Or once again, we can go back to that old adage of Matt's that it's custom woodwork. It's supposed to look like that. This is the artist bringing it out. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's that, that new unsquare, unlevel furniture. That's uh, right. It's the Pablo Picasso look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Abstract art. Okay, well, uh, I think we could jump into the next one. Okay. Uh, ba, 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 let's see. Love both your shows. Of course you um, do. <laughs> I, I don't. I actually forgot to put who wrote this. Um, so. Let's see here. It, I think you I know which name? one this is. Yeah, it's it's a Matt also, and I swear it's not me. But sure, you know, you're planting these. I'm sure that the you know with the idea that Matt's Basement Workshop podcast, you know, probably and maybe they have a lot of M's in their family, so therefore Matt, Mark, Mike, all works the same. So uh, there you go, you know that kind of thing. So, anyways, on with your okay. question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's got two questions. His first question is, what do you guys think of the new Sears Carve Right? What is it? Carve Right One product. Do you see them in your shops? Uh, and he gives the uh, web address so you guys can check it out. It's carverite.com, and that's C-A-R-V-E-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. Do I see that in my shop? Absolutely not. Um, I did take a look at it, and I wasn't familiar with the product. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a seems, seems like a really – it looks like a lunchbox-style um, tabletop planer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of being a planer, it's actually you know sort of like a CNC – router carver carver thing that you can uh, put profiles and put you know complex carvings onto pieces um the reason i say no is because i don't have a need for that much in either my my own building style or uh my customer requests so i don't see a purchase like that and i i did look it up uh, the price is like eighteen hundred dollars or something um I, so no i personally don't see it and if i do have any carvings i really would like to uh probably try and tackle that by hand and, and, and learn from that process rather than pushing a few buttons. But I can see if you have a, a, a lot of uh, carving requests and things like that, it could be a fun tool to have in the shop. Oh, yeah, uh, but I absolutely. personally, I don't, I don't think I would ever really need it. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. It, it's that it seems to be really kind of a single-minded type of thing. That yeah, I, I don't see anything that ever I'd be building. I sure I have my. I know my mother-in-law especially. She would probably love to have me use something like this. So it'd be like one of those, huh? Birthday tomorrow, mom. You could maybe, <laughs> but I doubt that would ever happen. You know. It, yeah. Well, hey, if, if someone wants to buy it for you, that's that's one. thing. Yeah, absolutely. In that case, I'd love <laughs> to use it. Sure, I got. I can find space for it down below. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. It's actually uh, eighteen ninety-nine, and they are currently out of stock. Is is what they say. Oh wow! So somebody's buying it. Either that, or they just made two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, one or the other. But a, uh, <laughs> a very specialized market. <laughs> yeah, but it basically just looks like a, um, you know, a, uh, I don't, I don't know how you would describe it, but a desktop sort of CNC machine. I mean, it, it looks kind of cool. I w- it's definitely worth checking out if you do a lot of carvings. But yep. uh, I guess it really depends on what you're what you're into and what kind of woodworking you do. But very cool machine. Yeah, I know that um, Woodcraft Magazine actually, um, since I have that feature column in there now, uh, not to throw that out, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, basically they, they have a, an article actually. I think they, they did a tool review on it. So if anybody's interested in uh, checking that out, I, I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and read it because coincidentally it's near where my article is and so i never get that far <laughs> nice but uh, so, so you you have an article in woodcraft magazine well actually it's, talk it, about that? it's a uh well sure i i would love to uh, you know toot my own horn a little <laughs> bit here and i have somebody to thank for that too um mm-hmm. and uh uh but yeah it, it's a uh, column now where we actually do uh web reviews or I, I do web reviews try to go out and find some of the best uh 
uh, woodworking websites out there, a little mix of this and that. So, you know, I don't want to definitely talk all forums, but just a chance to kind of look at a few things. Maybe, if, you know, as I like to say, maybe find, find a few things for you that you didn't even know you were looking for. And mm-hmm. so now it's going gonna, gonna to be a – supposedly it's going to be a new feature unless they decide that they get so many emails from people. They're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> Remove this feature <laughs> this <guy> now. sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this guy's a nut. He doesn't know anything about the internet. <laughs> no, that, it's, it's cool. It's, it's definitely a good feature. I think, um, I think they'd be silly not to keep it. I think it's very relevant to uh, you know, point out cool stuff on the internet oh, yeah. uh, in the print magazine. So congratulations with that. That's really you. awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank All you. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, anytime, anytime. Um, let's, Sweet. let's move uh, on to part two of uh, Matt's question. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, he says, I'm new to woodworking and just setting up my shop. What are the key power tools, hand and stationary, that are key to all shops? Um, that's you know, not, not, that's not the easiest question to answer because it really depends on you and the type of woodworking you want to do. Um, there's a lot of people who can get by with just a couple hand tools, not non-power hand tools, and can make some incredible pieces of uh, art using that stuff. But then oh, yeah. there's the average Joe who who's going to need your table saw, he's going to need a bandsaw, he's going to need a router. Um, I actually kind of went over setting up a small shop and setting up a large shop in uh episode two of the Wood Whisperer, uh, The King and His Castle. So it's probably, I would say, about halfway through the video. If you want to uh, cue that up and check that out, uh, that would be my uh, official answer to your question, um, unless you know you have anything to add to that, Matt. Um, not really. I, I I would like to say that is one of my favorite episodes of the Wood Whisperer, uh, that and the, <laughs> the jointers jumping. But um, yeah, I have I actually uh, discussed this too in an, uh, one of the early early podcasts that I did. I think it was episode three or something like that. Um, yeah, I kind of went in there a little bit and introduced the idea of you know the ones that I have and maybe we're you know um with the the home the home shop and everything. So again, without really kind of getting into too much detail about it, cause we could we could definitely easily do that. Uh, those definitely a couple of good resources to go check out. Would be your episode and then my episode too, because it's you know and, and they're sure. easy to find. I mean, if you found this podcast, you can easily find those ones. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And actually, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a recent post that's been on a couple of the forums and uh, I think it was um, Garrett over at Toolcrib uh, asked me if I could post it first and we just kind of everybody's been adding their answers to it so look look on uh, the Wood Whisperer for the post that says uh, what is the title it's it's basically what would you do with a thousand dollars if you had zero tools okay. and a thousand dollars to spend and it had to last you a year oh. what would you buy oh man um, so it, it's a it's a tough challenge but there are some really really insightful answers if you just look at the post and then read all the comments afterwards and uh, there's also links there to go to the actual tool crib uh, posting, and it, it's really cool. It's definitely a good critical thinking exercise for woodworkers. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny because when I think about it, when it comes down to, like, setting up a shop, I remember reading an article a long time ago, and they actually did, like, a side-by-side comparison of, like, the Norm Abram shop if you were to set up what he has uh, you know his idea of what the basic tools that you would need or suggested tools, and then there was like um, what's it, the uh, the guy from the Woodwright shop where it's like you know everything is handmade tools and you right. know muscle power, and it was so unique when you got especially when you got down to the bottom line, and it was just like this like large figure for norms, and then this like you know I could probably just do that with a couple of bucks I have in my pocket right now for the other guy. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean the the odd thing is we're. I don't know if you, I'm sure you notice this too in the forums and I'm certainly guilty of this myself. A lot of times the hobby is more about the tools than it is about the woodwork. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. You know, and, and that's just kind of the way it is. That's, that's how we are. A lot of people are just, 
I don't know. There's not many guys who wouldn't be able to get lost, you know, in a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a Sears or, you know, Rockler and Woodcraft. Um, you know, it and girls too. I'm not saying that, that when I, let me just get this out of the way. When I say guys, I don't mean specifically, you know, only people with X and Y chromosomes. Um, it's I, I, guys, I second that. <laughs> yeah, guys is my generic term for, uh, you know, guys and gals. So uh, anyway, that's right. what I was saying. Same, uh, same with know, dudes. I have to throw that out there too. I, I, I Dudes to me is all the time my wife yells at me, we're not dudes. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dudes. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it, it's one of those things where I think we're intrigued by the tools and how they work and, and just, you know, having the tools is half of the game. Uh, but then you once in a while have to step back and realize, you know, the woodwork is really the ultimate goal here. And uh, you don't necessarily need mm. all the latest and greatest to get some really, really nice woodwork done. Absolutely. So just just something to think about. Yeah. And then, then one more thing with that is simply the idea of what it is you're going to be building. Obviously, if you're doing a, an assortment of things, um, you know, every different type of project under the sun, obviously, you're going to have more tools because you're going to need, you know, specialized tools for certain things. And then, of course, right. let's say that you're just simply making chairs. I mean, you look at the shops those guys have and it's just it's really is limited. I mean, a lot of times they're like, I don't need a table saw. Do I need that for? So, again, it comes yeah, exactly. down to what exactly are the projects you're going to be doing. But I, I totally agree with the idea that even even today when i go near the home center my my eyes glaze over and my family just rolls their <laughs> eyes yeah i mean it's just it's the way things go Sweet. so okay. what are you gonna do we're sucked in exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on to another email here um i have one here from holly who oh speaking of guys and gals so uh holly has a question and says uh i'm new to woodworking and have been told i can upgrade my stanley block plane by simply replacing the irons i have been told to use hawk blades and then told to use japanese blue steel are these the same thing if not do you have a preference and where do i find them thanks for the shows okay well holly i'm not familiar with the japanese blue steel but i am familiar with hawk blades and it is it to some degree it's true that you can upgrade your stanley block plane or any block plane whatever the manufacturer is by replacing the irons and mainly this has a lot to do with the um perhaps the older style of uh, any type of hand plane, not just a block plane, uh, any of the old ones, especially that you find uh, like maybe in a flea market, an antique store, one that uh, has definitely been around for a long time. The uh, blades that usually came originally with it to kind of, depending again on who the manufacturer is and everything else, uh, tend to be a little bit thinner. And one thing with the, with the thicker blades is the fact that it can really help to give you a, a um what's the word i'm looking for kind of a, a more stable cut because of the fact that it is thicker it's not going to have a chance to really chatter a lot as you're going across it to some degree the newer blades also depending on the steel that they're using it tends to be i think i know for a fact like uh, lee valley like veritas uh, um their line of hand tools they use an a2 steel which don't hold me to anything on what the various steels mean, but um, it, it holds a uh, an edge much longer and sharper than the old steels that were out there. So it is really easy to really basically upgrade any any hand plane you have by putting in one of these new replacement blades. Uh, it, they they do a fantastic job, and a lot of times also you might find a situation where the old steel. Um, 
was really uh, I hate to say it, but it was it was crap. Basically, it was it was bowed. Uh, it, it again has seen better days. Maybe maybe if it's a used tool that you have, the antique or the, the previous owner didn't have a clue what they were doing and have really kind of damaged and everything. Again, these these ones stepping up there, um, coming in, I should say, and replacing the older one does does a really good great job. And you get, you basically get almost a brand new tool as a result of it. So that's that's yeah, my mean- input. I don't really have too much to add to that other than I would definitely say that what she's referring to, I don't think, you know, the Hawk blades are Japanese blue steel. Um, I know when buying chisels, typically you've, uh, especially if you're into the Japanese chisels, you've got the choice between blue and white steel. And again, I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about this, but um, the differences between the two and mainly from what I understand is how they are quenched okay. as they're being, you know, uh, treated and hammered. And I believe the white steel is quenched in water and the blue is quenched in oil. And, and what it does is eventually leads to a molecular difference in the structure of, uh, you know, the steel itself and oh. how it's, how it's set up. So, um, but they do have different working properties. So for some people, it makes more sense to go with the white and some people with blue. Now, how those two differ specifically from the steel that's used in a Hawk blade, I'm not really sure, but it's probably mm-hmm. the same difference that you would see between a standard Western chisel, uh, and what you would see in a Japanese chisel. Um, generally from what I understand, those are usually harder. The Japanese are usually, um, harder steels than, than the Western steels that we use here. So, uh, there's definitely a lot of information out there. Just do a couple, you know, Google searches on that Holly, and you will definitely find, uh, information to describe the different types of steel and, uh, which one might be best for you, but you, you can't go wrong with a Hawk blade. I mean, it's just the extra thickness and the quality of the material. I think you'd be perfectly happy with it. I don't know that you need to, to go out of your way to find a, a blue steel or a, uh, you know, special Japanese steel blade. Absolutely. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and with a name like Hawk, uh, or with a with a Hawk blade, from what I've seen, they definitely are a, a great way to go. I made the mistake once of again, this is kind of like the I went to the home center and I saw this replacement blade that I knew would fit the size of the um, the block plan I had at the time. And I'm not going to say any manufacturers or anything because it was crap, basically. But you really, really kind of get what you pay for. And um, I should have known right away when it took me like three days to just set the blade up that there might have been something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So, cool. Um, All right, let's see here. I think we have one more question. Uh, Well, I have one more here in front of me. But um, let's see here. Uh, Thank you much, Lee, for your – oh, actually, you know what? I responded to this person. Oops. Um, yeah, this this one did look like a response, but then he asked another question, so I figured we'd yeah. throw it in there. Okay, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, well, let's just get right to it. I have a very important question. I do not have a jointer or a planer. What are some options for flattening a board? Uh, Matt, I know you're going to suggest a hand plane. Oh, man, I, I'm that obvious already, <laughs> which is, which is a great idea, you. but I need a solution that will not involve buying a new tool. At this point, a new tool could lead to a divorce. <laughs> Yikes. Been, been there. <laughs> I say get the new tool, man. Do what you got to do. Exactly. It might be cheaper. Oh, wait. I hope this wife's not listening. Um, so anyway, which is, which is more expensive than a tool I have ever seen? Okay. That his response to the divorce. Now, uh, please help me flatten my boards. Uh, you rule, of course. Thank you again for all you do. I look forward to hearing this answered on your show. Wow. Okay. So let's let's try and answer this one. Now, 
We make wishes come true, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like the Make-A-Wish uh, society. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Make-A-Wish for uh, almost divorced husbands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe we'll have to start an X club. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so let's see here. Um, really, when it comes down to it, I, the only thing I could think of is if uh, you, one of your options may be find a friend. Um, you know, I, I, I think we, we talked about something like this before. Would, it, Mark, I'm going to let you kind of pick this one up a little bit because I'm kind of at a loss, actually. <laughs> sure. I mean, your, your first suggestion is, is right on. If you can get involved in a local club, uh, local association um, of woodworkers, there are always going to be people there who just enjoy the hobby and are more than willing to help a fellow woodworker out who needs uh, a board playing down once in a while. So um, if you could do that, that's probably the easiest thing to do uh, in your own shop if you're really in a bind. There's a couple things you can do. Now, first of all, I just want to say this is another topic that I did cover in uh, the Wood Whisperer podcast and the Joiners Jumpin' episode. Uh, we did a section on, you know, what do you do if you don't have a jointer and a planer? How do we get these things flat? Or, or if you do have a planer, let's say, how do you flatten a really wide board that doesn't fit on your jointer? And uh, I show some techniques. And honestly, uh, seeing it excuse me, seeing it in pictures or in video is much more helpful than me describing it. So definitely check it out, but I'll, I'll quickly describe it. Um, the, you, the first method I would use would involve a router. Now this can become quite tedious if you're doing like an eight foot long board. <laughs> this really this really works best if you're doing something that's, you know, three three feet or less. You don't want much more than that. But it, it's it's a pretty simple setup where the uh, the router is on some sort of a jig. I mean, you have to build all this stuff for it. So think of the, the piece of wood being put down on your bench top, immobilized. So either use some hot glue under it or clamp it down somehow. Well, you don't want to clamp it because you're going to be routing the top surface. Uh, but you want it secure so it doesn't move or rock. Um, then you just basically get two rails. Uh, and these could be two by fours that you've jointed on both sides, jointed and planed. Um, of course, this could be trouble if you don't have a joiner and a planer, but essentially you need two even pieces of material that you could ride this router sled on and your router would be secured to the sled and uh, put a straight bit in, plunge down to the lowest point of that piece of wood and just do sort of a back and forth motion and hog out all the material that's you know higher than that lowest point and eventually you're going to end up with a, a pretty darn flat board. Um, again, I don't like that method for really, really long standard you know, lumber that you would get a, maybe a six inch wide board that's eight feet long. This is probably not going to be a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think any other options, I mean, you could sort of, I mean, anything that I can think of, if you don't have, don't want to do a hand planing method, uh, would involve the use of a planer or a jointer. So, uh, other than my, my router sled, technique i don't really know of anything else that you could do to flatten a board yeah no i, I can't think of anything else either that's yeah you're really really kind of limited and, and you know it's kind of funny because i think really the only other option at this point is to um i guess uh, i hate to say but like spend more time trying to pick your stock you know as as wisely as you can um you know yeah. it's it's preferably obviously a lot of times with home centers the wood's been sitting there for a long time so you know it's it's probably it really hasn't been stacked the right way or it's just you know people have already gone through the the early birds got there and they snagged the good stuff so you're kind of stuck with it um right. along the 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 original suggestion i had about the, you know find a friend kind of a thing also is like you had mentioned with with you know finding guilds and everything else i know the the lumber um uh, place I go through the the it has it's a full on mill basically, and whenever I order any lumber from them, um, I can actually if I give them a, enough heads up ahead of time, I can actually 
they'll, they'll do a lot of work for me. They've, they've got, you know, like one of those well, like 22-inch uh, jointers and, you know, the super industrial planer and everything else. So that definitely, yeah. you know, that helps out for a few bucks They extra. They, they care, take care of it for me. And uh, I can I can definitely think of a few projects beforehand that I was like, well, I don't really need a jointer. That's for those other guys. <laughs> right, right. No, and I think that's actually a great suggestion. Where where I get my materials from, um, they also have a mill there. Uh, you know, they could probably do it, like you said, for a couple bucks, and and it's probably worth it. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're buying if you're buying a material in the rough from them anyway, I'm sure they're going to give you a good price if you ask for them oh, yeah. to surface. You know, two or three sides for you. Uh, so that's that's a great suggestion, actually. I think that probably is the most realistic uh, way to do it because you try to set up one of these jigs, you might get less than great results, and it's going to take you all day to kind of get a good setup. So um, honestly, you're pro- that's probably the best option if you don't have any friends that have the tools. Right, definitely. Sweet. Well, I think that's about the uh, end of our rapid-fire email yeah, session. I, I, th- I think so. Yeah, definitely. Well, once in a while, I think uh, we're, we we want to make sure we answer as many questions as possible. So once in a while, uh, we'll we'll suffer and stop talking about ourselves so much, <laughs> and we'll just go right into the emails and start to uh, answer as many emails as we can in the course of a single episode. No, I think we're gonna have to have a separate feed where it's just the Mark and Matt ego, <laughs> <laughs> ego tripping. Uh, That's yeah, right. I think that would be fun. I I could probably talk about myself for a few hours before I start to uh, yeah, get a little horse in the voice. So oh, I know I can. My my family would be dragging me away in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, if anybody has any more questions, I I think we kind of just blew through a bunch of them. We may not even have any left. Uh, So please send us your questions at uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, most likely at this rate, we will be able to get the question on the show and you'll get uh, the two awesome perspectives that Matt and I provide. The best that we can. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I mean, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, I guess until next time, we will uh, do some woodworking and we'll catch you all later. Yeah, take care, everybody. See ya. Take care.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.